This is Hotshot Archery's Outdoor Podcast. The show starts in three, two, one, go. Hey everybody, this is Robin Parks with the Hotshot Archery Outdoors Podcast. Today, I've got Keith Reen from the Squincher Outdoors team. Keith, how's it going? Going real good, man. I'm heading to Texas. What could be better? Right, right on. Like he said, we're en route to Texas to hunt turkeys. Um, like we've said in the past, we don't want to talk a lot about the um, current corona pandemic and crisis, but worth mentioning, we're doing our best on travel to stay smart, stay clean. We have hand sanitizer. We're avoiding people. We're headed for the middle of nowhere in Texas. So this will be our social distancing, and what we really want to talk about on this week's show is the hunt that Keith and I just finished up in Nebraska. It was, well, pretty awesome, don't you think, Keith? Yeah, it was without a doubt the probably the most exciting turkey experience I've ever I've ever had. So. Yeah, uh, many of the people that follow me and listen to the podcast um, have heard me talk about Nebraska. It's just one of my favorite places on earth to turkey hunt, and um, this trip was not a disappointment at all. Um, we delayed our trip a couple days due to weather, and um, that worked out pretty good because we missed the rain, um, got up there, and um, I told Keith that uh, we were going to plan ourselves in what I thought had the, the best potential in the state of Nebraska. And how many gobblers did you think we seen within 20 yards that evening, Keith? Uh, over 60, for sure. Yeah. I, um, it, I don't know. I mean, it seems like, you're, it probably seems like more than there is, but I know at one particular time, like, you know, I literally counted 60, so I know there was probably more that I didn't uh, count for. Yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible, and Keith and I on the way up, and leading up to this hunt, we talked about, trying to do the best we could with footage and to maybe pass up some birds that we probably could have killed waiting for birds to be in the decoys and up close and personal. And so that first afternoon, that's what we did. And, um, it took a while. I think we were both a little, uh, worried. I, I know I was, I don't know about you, Keith, but the farmer had some cows get out and we were helping the farmer stretch fence yeah. and, uh, he, the farmer had to hang around our uh, field a little longer than what was making me comfortable. What about you? Yeah, I mean, we just kind of kept telling ourselves, this is what the turkeys are used to. I know Brian, the farmer there, he has his routine, so I'm sure it was nothing that they don't see on a daily basis, and if they had to avoid him, they'd never be there. Right, right. So, so, in this, so this week, we just want to tell you about the hunt. Let's get away from what's going on and listen to how our hunt went, and, and I hope this gets everyone pumped up that is looking forward to turkey hunting. I, I hate it for anyone that's listening whose turkey season has been canceled. Um, I know some states have completely canceled theirs. That's a shame. Um, I think as hunters, we all agree that being out in the woods is the epitome of social distancing. But let's talk about our hunt. So we got set up, and finally uh, we were done helping the farmer, and he, he headed... Uh, on away from us and right away in the distance we could hear some turkeys talking so 
Yeah, what I wanted to kind of say is just, um, you know, majority of my turkey hunting experience has been in Missouri, and the season starts much later. So for me, it was just a whole different uh, perspective of seeing the turkeys in a different type of pattern and being that grouped up. That's that more than anything. That's what sticks out in my mind because usually, um, you know, by the time the Missouri season starts, they're already broken up stuff. So it was crazy for me to see the amount of turkeys that are still flocked together like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, as I've talked to you year after year about hunting those big flocks on my way home from my trips and whatever, I've talked about it, but it may not have put it in quite in the perspective what those groups yeah. really were. No, you got to see it for yourself to get it truly, truly understand that. When you're hearing 25, 30 gobblers going off at the same time, I mean, it's just nothing like it. Yeah, so on that, on this evening, we like I said, we got finally got set up, and we had a few hours of light left in Nebraska. You can hunt in the evenings, which anyone that follows me knows is my favorite time to turkey hunt is in the evenings. And so right away, um, again, comparing to what you're used to in Missouri, I just started belting out the calls about as loud as I could and getting pretty aggressive trying to get that flock to answer and and we did get some to answer, and I think I could remember telling you if they, if they're going to bother to answer, they're going to end up right here at some point. Yeah, I mean, what I think you know again, one of the differences and what you talked about is uh, not so much calling to the gobblers, but knowing that they're going to be with the hens. Sometimes it's better to concentrate on getting those hens to respond, and they're going to bring them in for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it took me, it took me a couple of years hunting up there at that time of year to really kind of get a feel for what really needed to be different and what I needed to do to actually make turkeys end up in my lap. And now that I've got, you know, it, it's kind of like convincing myself to deviate from what I was used to. But now that I've got my mindset there, calling to those hens and getting those hens to want to come see what is happening is the key. And in this case, one lone gobbler showed up first and, um, he was ahead of the rest of the flock. We could hear the rest of the flock coming. And I think I, you probably remember I told you, even when he was standing there 20 yards, that even if he decided not to come in, there was, there would be more coming. And yeah. so long story short, this bird was at 20 yards and then 15 yards. Pretty easy body shot if I would have been body shooting, I think, don't you? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. And he started to leave, so I decided, even though he was only 15 yards away, to go ahead and call some, and that just flipped him right around. And then he strutted in, and without dragging the story out too long, we had him right in the decoys, and I just totally blew the shot shot way over his head. Which, under normal circumstances, I would feel pretty bad about it. But um, after last year, I kind of took a lot of heat from Derek and Robin about uh, the mishaps of me, so... I kind of felt good that somebody was struggling a little bit to get started to kind of take the heat off me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. so Keith got to hear me drop a lot of <laughs> F-bombs. and uh, Well, I've already got to watch the video, so I went back home and immediately looked at the footage and the look on your face is... Uh, oh, I was pissed off. Oh. There's no no hiding it. They can't sugarcoat it. I was pissed <laughs> off. I mean, we drive, you know, half the night and all through the day to get there and to get there in time to hunt and all that effort and get set up and then bam just totally blow an easy shot but i can fully admit that i really let my nerves get the best of me i was just too excited i should have 
you know, tried to gather myself and let the pin settle, and I didn't, and that's the result. Yeah, and you mentioned before you might have been, even been so excited you used the wrong pin. Yeah, I, I can't even say, like, I can't. I mean, the arrow was about five to six inches high and, and took off about three tail feathers, which was pretty funny because uh, later in the hunt, I was it the next day or two days later, we had a turkey out strutting, and it was quite obvious it was the same bird. Oh, yeah. He had a big right. hole in his, his tail feather. Yeah, in fact, he... That's that's another part of our whole story, of course. But yeah, that same turkey, Keith almost got a shot at him. Yeah. We had him at uh, probably twenty yards, of twenty-five yards, anyways, yeah. at one time, and he just didn't quite commit. And obviously, the same turkey. But so I I blow the chance, but we could still hear turkeys coming, getting closer, and so try to get settled down, get another arrow ready, and I could see birds and lots of them coming around the corner of the field and I kind of pointed and told Keith get ready and then rather than me tell you what happened I'm going to let let you Keith tell them what you saw because it was something that you've probably never seen in your life to equate to it yeah so uh, we were up on the top of a plateau I'll call it pretty high uh, a hill with a flat top and um, there was a logging road that came up and um there was a logging road that came up to the uh, the field, and we were maybe 35, 40 yards from that, where the the, uh, the road meets the top of the hill, and we kind of just slowly started seeing some heads, you know, come over one by one. Well, you know, thinking five, six, seven, maybe, nope, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They just kept on it coming, uh, almost in a single file line, and um, kind of weird. They didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the decoys and just kind of uh, went between our decoys and the edge of the woods, which was about 25 yards away. And it almost seemed like the very last bird kind of looked over the decoys like, what are you guys doing over there? Why aren't you following us? And um, turned and came right in and uh, Robin had a chance to redeem himself and um, just uh, just picture perfect, walked in there and, and uh, turned around where he could draw and Gave him a good headshot, and and uh, then we got good pictures. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, I, I've had that same scenario when they're in groups like that happen a lot. And what I think is really happening is you have such a big group of turkeys that not every one of them uh, can be interested in the decoys because all around them is other turkeys. So what I've kind of learned is is to let them. Let them go on by if they're walking past, and and you could usually see the ones that are gonna think they might want to be a little more aggressive. And that there was actually the last group of three, and I could tell that they were kind of they were more edgy, they were a little more cocky, and um, I decided to call to them as they were walking past, and then that was that was that. And like you said, thankfully, little redemption and. Yeah, put up a Magnus bullhead, like literally right through the center of his head. <laughs> Couldn't have been more perfect, and of course he went nowhere. And timing was good. We were able to get some nice pictures, and it was a great first day. And right, a great first day of the season. And the cool thing about it was, is the most majority of the birds had already passed and went on, and they kind of like, kind of flew off the bluff and roosted, and we were able to get out of there without really spooking them. So we felt pretty optimistic about the next morning that they. You know, majority of those birds were right there within sight as we were packing up. We were able to slide out of there and uh, get on them in the next morning. Yeah, and 
probably a good example of what experience has taught me from hunting that particular farm. A lot of people probably would have stayed right where our blind was, but I just knew from experience that was not going to be where the turkeys wanted to go in the morning and most likely wouldn't have been productive. So, you know, on a short, we had to keep the trip short because we knew we were leaving for Texas soon and uh, that's not a time to be lazy. So we decided to let it get dark and and, uh, fold that blind up and we moved, oh, I would say probably 300 yards um, to be on the complete opposite side of where the turkeys were roosted and we did all that in the dark even though we were dead tired and yeah so i think uh we got three hours sleep the night before when we drove up there and by the time we got back and got in bed i think we got maybe three and a half before it was time to roll out in the morning for your hunt right but um that hunt was awesome i again uh i i'm gonna say that your guess of 60 gobblers along that field is probably low um but at least 50 60 70 80 gobblers all gobbling at sunrise was right. quite the scene yeah <clears throat> well we didn't see we saw um some different gobblers coming in as we were kind of packing up like i said we were kind of on a bluff and you could see them moving in so we knew more were coming in and, and roosting on the opposite side of a, the lower field that we couldn't see and had no idea until the sun started coming up the next morning just how many there were. And uh, it was quite a sight to behold. I mean, in every direction you looked, you've seen uh, a tree full of birds. Yeah, right. And so on one hand, we decided not to be lazy and moved in the dark. On the other hand, what we didn't realize was in the middle of the field between us and the turkeys was a lot of weeds that were... Um, well, waist high to most people, head high to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so while we got uh, quite the show at Flydown and glimpses of a show there in the morning, it was it was pretty unproductive as far as getting turkeys in on us. I mean, we had who knows how many gobblers within 30 yards, but right. none, none in. And so, yeah, and it kind of like it was it was obvious to me that those birds obviously had an agenda and a routine that. When um, when they come down, they they it didn't matter because we're competing against tons of other hens and and um, so you know unless we just happen to be right where they landed or in the direction they were going to go, we weren't going to have much luck working them. Right, right. So I I don't remember what time we sat till, but once those birds were gone and we could hear a lot of them gobbling out in the distance, you know, four or five hundred yards away, we decided it was time to make another move and uh i wanted to put keith right in the middle of where we could hear all of the turkeys most the previous afternoon and so we did move and got set up we went to town and got lunch and of course as you might imagine we were gone maybe two hours and and what did we find when we came back yeah so we come back and we kind of took the path in that we uh we'd walked out and we started noticing like turkey feathers everywhere and turkey poop and it just seemed to be increasing the further we went we're like wait this wasn't here when we walked out and then we because we approached the blind it looked like they had a a party um you know i who knows how many was in the flock there but they they were left a mess it was blatantly obvious they were there for quite a while while we were gone yeah it it really looked like 
some gobblers had gotten into it there because there was a lot of black tip breast feathers and the crown yeah. tore up and turkey poop two foot from the blind <laughs> and it was something kind of aggravating but at the same time we knew that the spot was good and right. so um i'll let you tell what happened for your evening hunt yeah so we we got settled back in and uh unfortunately um we had some bad weather coming in it really was supposed to start raining around one o'clock and uh but it, it, it held off ours pretty good um so we had you know some, some good hunting sitting time before it started raining but i'm guessing probably around four or five o'clock it finally started raining and it was kind of a steady steady rain um but it seemed like about the time it started raining we started seeing turkeys again and so like i mentioned earlier that uh, turkey that robin had shot the tail feathers off he was in a group of three that kind of Looked like they wanted to come in, but again, they had an agenda. They had a place they wanted to go and, and end up. And so um, they looked tempted, but they didn't really respond to the calls other than kind of looking our way, and they kept going. Um, we heard some another group a little while later that we didn't really get to see, and then I guess as luck would have it, we had one gobbler by himself finally that uh, was just – he was – he was raring and ready to go, so he was responding real good. He was gobbling every time we called, and we were kind of sitting with our kind of over our right, our left shoulders as, as the creek, and he was walking that edge of the creek, and it just looked like everything was going to work out perfect. So um, it did. He came in and um, he he hung up a little bit for just a, a little bit, uh, maybe fifteen, sixteen yards. You know, we wanted to get in the decoys before he took a shot. Um, he finally made it into the decoys, um, kind of stared at the blind, it seemed like, for, for a while. And I was wondering if he was ever going to move. I didn't feel comfortable drawing back until he turned. He finally turned, put his tail feather up real good for me in a full strut, and I came to full draw and waited and waited what seemed like two to three minutes. I'm sure it was only about 40 seconds, but we kind of, Robin and I kind of looked at each other and kind of the side of her eyes thinking man am i gonna have to let down is he ever gonna give me a shot and he finally relaxed a little bit and and then he kind of let his shoulders go down just enough to give me a good shot and i let her rip and it wasn't uh it was pretty obvious that bullhead hit its target because he kind of did his uh circles and little dance and flopped a few times and he was done and uh, it was a great feeling like i said because last year i had a i had a bad season i had a mishap with uh, some equipment that I lost and um and then uh once we got to Texas I didn't you know I, I missed a bird and had some mishaps so I was ready to redeem myself and sure felt good that first bird of the year that came in and I was able to take that one and kind of take the uh the heat off a little bit that big monkey off my shoulder so I'm feeling really good going down to Texas right now my confidence is high yeah yeah and I know when you were at full draw like it had to have been at least 30 seconds if not longer and we both had to have been thinking the same thing <laughs> because he was showing a little bit of his head yeah got to remember that big bullhead's got such blade length you don't want those blades to catch right. his back feathers and that's what happened to you last year in texas and yep i was the same way i i wanted to whisper to you just let down don't shoot and but i didn't he was so close you know four five yards max yeah. and but it was pretty awesome. I mean, he just about cut his head off. It was barely hanging on. And yeah. I mean, of course, that's 
that's the way to know when you hit one that there's no track and there's no searching and uh you're not going to lose that bird it's pretty awesome and i mean both of us here, here we are it's not cold but we're both shaking and <laughs> it's just pretty awesome so two days and two turkeys down and um we had a lot of more excitement after that you just about got another shot at a bird and most people would have shot and killed him and and um he was close enough, I I would say, but he didn't get in the decoys, and I think you had a strap or something blocking the shot, right? Yeah, and, you know, had I had, uh, you know, I got some black hornets in my quiver for, you know, if I don't feel like I want to take that head shot. Um, I was, of course, had a, a bull head knocked, and and I wanted him to get a little closer before I did that, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, he acted weird. Uh, he came in with four hens, and the hens very relaxed came right into the decoys and he hung up a little bit you know i i probably could have taken a shot and, and it probably would have been a good high percentage shot but i felt like he was eventually going to come in he did, but he didn't so that's just turkey hunting sometimes you just gotta guess and try to predict what they're going to do and sometimes they do what you think and sometimes they don't yeah exactly and it kind of goes back to the evening before it's no joke to say that i Probably had shots on it on twenty five at least other gobblers, besides the one that I missed and besides the one that I killed. It just wasn't the footage we wanted, wasn't the range we wanted. Yeah, but really would have been fairly easy shots with with a black hornet certainly. Right. And, um, so we kind of stuck to our plan, and it paid off with some unbelievably good video footage. And we did get to stay another day. Um, we had some excitement, but nothing really materialized um of course we were switching so i hunted up next and i hunted the next morning and i mean we had some turkeys around but not really we just weren't where we needed to be and went to a different farm i wanted to keep to see the other farm that i hunt up there and uh without any scouting or any knowledge of what really the birds were up to there i picked a place based on past experience and a hunch and in a way, it paid off because we had a good 60, 75 birds less than 100 yards from us, but they came in from the opposite direction. And yeah. just there's just no way we could call them past the roost. I mean, with a lot of answer does, and it was awesome to see them. But uh, the coronas epidemic kind of messed with us a little bit because they cut off non-resident tags, and so you, of course, couldn't buy another tag. I happened to buy two to start with. Yeah. But uh, we felt the pressure of needing to be ready for Texas and wanting to be home a couple days. And uh, we we maybe could have killed a turkey if we had stayed one more day. And we, we probably could have stayed. But yeah. uh, these two old men, I can speak for both <laughs> of us, were pretty wore out. I can tell yeah. you that. It was a marathon. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking about that earlier today. Just, uh, you know, as you get older, you're sleep becomes a priority versus a luxury i remember it used to be nice if i got some sleep now i gotta have it there's just a or i'm one crabby son of a gun yeah so we're on the way to texas now i apologize if the truck road noise is um in the background of this podcast but we wanted to get it done before we got too busy on our hunt and wanted to tell everybody how our hunt went went um We'll be hunting starting at daylight in the morning, and we have uh, Derek Craig from New Day, New Day Outdoors with us. He'll be joining us, and um, 
We're going to bring you a podcast or two from camp there in Texas, and hopefully we'll have some more excitement. I hope um, everyone is staying smart, staying safe. Uh, my fingers are crossed for everyone that wants to be able to turkey hunt that they're going to get to. And uh, I hope everyone is enjoying listening to our hunts and it's helping your day go by a little bit and taking your mind off some of the craziness. And uh, Keith, thanks for helping me with this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Like I said, a good luck to everybody out there. Um, you know, everybody out there has got decisions to make and this wasn't an easy one for us. You know, it's like, what, what can you do? What, what should you do? What's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? Whatever. But, um, you know, we put a lot of thought into this trip and, you know, and, and uh, I think we made a pretty good educated decision that if we, you know, get in that truck, we stay there, stay on route, do what we got to do that we're probably safer off being right out in the middle of Texas than back home actually. So, right. Exactly. Uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Everyone. Thanks for listening. Don't forget. Follow us on Facebook at Hotshot Archery, also on Instagram, same ID there. Feel free to shoot us your feedback at podcast at hotshotmanufacturing.com. And please don't forget, if you like this one or if you've been listening, hit the subscribe button. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.